2: you to have a part two no i just go
3: hey dog <laughs> welcome from the chris wesling podcast studio not the mike francesa studio they named that studio after him down in queens yep. i like our name better <laughs> yeah from the chris wesling podcast studio it's around the nfl UFA, yeah. and yes me dan Hansis, him mark Sessler, the two-man show a la mike and chris on wfan in new york the station that As we've said on this show, and we've had Chris on the show many times, the Mad Dog, we're not here without uh, those gentlemen and their show and the fan itself. So, uh, great to uh, do a two-man show. Missing Greg, but he's on a well-earned vacation, so we're going to hit this Thursday show hard.
2: Greg had a tweet uh, about, what, 30, 40 minutes ago at this point um, of the ocean, of water, and he simply wrote, what was it, Erica, Peace for Seven Seconds? Yeah, he wrote,
1: Seven seconds of peace.
3: What's that about? Because that's, that's a little out of yeah. character.
2: It suggests that he's not been in, in a peaceful situation for the remainder of it his was certain-
1: a It was an Instagram story and it was a photo, a video of just the waves softly in the distance and there was a nice little, you know, these walking paths on the beach that are very quintessential Martha's Vineyard and I responded to it, don't do it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what it is.
1: That's
2: when God carried Greg.
3: <laughs> yeah, the footsteps. No, I think I know why he's
2: Oh, I, sharing I oh that. actually now that now that yes. you say that I think yes, you're, I think yeah.
3: we know what yeah. what's causing him to be contemplative and open in that moment. Uh today's show I like that for him. Is a good yeah. Again, vacations are good. You're going to be on one next week. That's correct. I'm the only one that doesn't take a vacation. You know, I just keep going. You just went to Disneyland Okay, like, well you me, got like me there Like 80 hours ago I tried to sneak that one Through legislation okay. Couldn't do it
1: It's so annoying hey, Erica I'm doesn't go vacation i the only on one that's, that's here Every Keep single day
3: Stay behind that glass and grind <laughs> Wait a second Don't even start <laughs> Don't even start Alright Today's show Good one We You know Some of those timing things That happen sometimes That are annoying We finish up our show on Monday And we learn Right after the show is over Blockbuster trade between the Eagles and the Saints. And we're going to get the Saints side of that um with katherine terrell of the athletic uh, what it means for them a lot of speculation but why don't we go to a trusted reporter down there and get her take on where new orleans is in 2022 because they're kind of a tough team to figure out right now
2: they are and i think the move itself was you know raised a lot of debate about why it happened and uh you know the fact that in real life we have talked to Catherine already i can promise you she brings some answers Okay.
3: well, should I have told them that? I don't know. The other thing that's going on this week, Mark, um, uh, is that for the past two days, this building uh, here in Los Angeles has been swarming with current and former NFL players for the broadcast and media workshop. And we were asked to um, lead the forum on how to build a successful podcast without trying. Uh, And I feel like it's been a very interesting two days. It's been a lot of work, but uh, rewarding ultimately.
2: Right. The next time um, anyone in this company points at me and says, not doing enough on the company man front, I uh, would call the last two days um, extreme service to the company. But I came out of this with, (laughs) no, I came out of this with, with a sense of gratitude too, because we got to hang out and talk with, you know, 30-plus NFL players. And, I mean, we're talking guys like Richard Sherman, you know, all sorts of dudes. And uh, Larry Fitzgerald i had an incredible time today we got to do little podcast with them uh test or test podcasts and they were great and i think that we you know we can't air any of them but we got some great information wow. out of them some good background info
3: uh yeah cam hayward that was incredible avery williamson marlon humphrey gerald mccoy just some of the names and um first of all gerald mccoy had takes yes he thinks that christian bell is the worst batman which is very interesting um but says The Dark Knight is the best Batman movie. So you guys break that down privately if you wish. The other thing that I thought was really interesting, and it did get, get me a little introspective, Mark, because, uh, you know, uh, and, and nostalgic, because uh, tragedy took Chris Wessling from us. Greg's on vacation. It's just the two of us, and that's how our show started as the ATL Debate Club. And way back when, in February of 2012, the first guest that we ever had, Uh, It was a 10 out of 10 on the P scale was Richard Sherman sitting in this converted uh, closet in the old Culver city office that they had turned into a quote unquote podcast studio. And so it was just so interesting for 10 years later, almost to the uh, month here we are again. And now Sherman is basically a borderline hall of famer. We've, come as far as we've come in this business and we got to talk about that with Sherman he remembered that interview and that, I just thought that was like a full circle moment that's going to stick with me No, I don't know what happens with our future but th- that was a nice little full circle moment
2: it was I also would say we nailed the interview Killed um, we got incredible content out of him um, the room was silent uh, just breathless Listening to that three person weave. And he's great. He has his own <laughs> podcast. I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot to learn when it comes to podcasting. He nailed it. And the other thing is, like, I'll never forget when we had, we were very new to, when we interviewed him way back when. And we had been charged with writing endless Richard Sherman posts because that's when he was sort of becoming Always very list. loud, very famous. And he had come into that interview having read every Dan Hansis and Mark Sessler post. And he's like, I've been reading your stuff. And I got a little bit of an issue with both of you, and we thought, oh, this is going to be tough. But he was great then. He was great today.
3: He was. He was. Um, And, uh, yeah, so that was really cool. And we are now going to spin forward as the draft is approaching here. And before we get to Catherine Terrell talking about Saints Eagles, let's, let's hit the news.
4: Martin Scorsese has nine Oscar nominations for directing, but his only win was for what movie? I'm gonna to have to guess and say Eight Mile. <laughs>
3: Does that make you feel better, Eric? I know you had a, a, a little difficult bit, a little uh, bit of redemption on that show. Yeah. yeah. Now,
1: now when you type in like "dumbest, weakest link contestant," this <laughs> one comes to the top for a while. I, I think I had that, um, but it, Justin actually found it and sent it to me before it started circulating on that Twitter. That good. Yeah, and I was like. He was like, does this make you feel better? And I go, no, what would make me feel better is not thinking about the, like, $60,000 that yeah, I would have had every single day of my <laughs> life. Try
3: not to, but you'll never get it out of your head, totally. Can I just hear it one more time? Because I like the confidence in which he, he <laughs> started the Eminem movie.
4: <laughs> Martin Scorsese has nine Oscar nominations Scorsese for directing. That was hell that? But his only win was for what movie? I'm
5: going to have to guess and say Eight Mile.
3: So confident. I mean, he says yes, but he's like, you know.
2: I th- Is it the, the, the Departed, I That's believe. correct.
3: Right. Yep. 2006. Yep. Uh, which is by far, well, not by far, is worse. But, like, I would say I would put that in, like, his bottom end of the top ten. Same. I mean, Goodfellas didn't get it?
1: Taxi Driver? You didn't get
3: the
2: statue for Taxi Driver? Is it's a problematic. Spot? I like The Departed, but um, uh, it's fine. It, it was certainly not his, not Martin Scorsese's uh, <laughs> finest work. Why is she pronouncing it Marty that
3: Scorsese. way? Martin
1: Scorsese. I don't know. But...
3: You know what really hurts? It's one of those movies, (laughs) one of those early two thousands aughts movies, where the technology, cell phone technology, hurts the movie, because a big part of it is like Matt Damon and his fancy flip phone, like connecting with. uh, Spoiler alerts abound with the Jack Nicholson character uh, get letting him know that the you know the, the. the drop is on and all this other stuff going on and you look at the all I can think about is like how stupid that phone is look how he has to hit a, the number one it three t- times t- takes to get to the it letter takes you C. out of it. Yeah. I know this
1: is totally you know it, it is on topic with what we're talking about now but I guess they're doing this thing where if you go up to someone and I go Mark pretend you're answering a phone anyone that's pretty much my 30 or older is going to do the pinky and the thumb mm-hmm. and put it to their ears. Mm-hmm. But kids under that or like under 25 when you mm-hmm. ask them to like pretend you're getting a phone call they fake hold an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Kids don't do not do that you know cool. anymore which what is all, crazy. What else you got? You were just talking about flip <laughs> phone phones. That's an interesting fact.
2: <laughs> oh. I think it's topical for what we were just discussing. Yes. <laughs> let's talk uh, <laughs> I hate you. let's
3: let's talk a little bit about this trade uh, Mark uh, not from the Saints side because we're going to get to that with Catherine but I'd like to talk about it from the Eagles side because uh, uh, they send uh, number 16 19 and 194 to the Saints and they get back 18, 101, 237, and a first-round pick in 2023 and a second-round pick in 2024. I think the general vibe, uh, and we'll get to it about the Saints, their position to really make a move this year, make a splash, who knows, maybe get a quarterback. The Eagles, I thought it was a slam-dunk trade for them on a couple of levels. Uh, one, because you get that another – you still have two first-round picks this year. Now you're going to have two more in the future, especially – when or another in the future, you don't know what's happening in New Orleans. It's a rookie head coach, quarterback uncertainty. That that first round pick in 2023 that they're inheriting could be a lottery type pick. So I love that. And it allows you to kick the can a little bit on Jalen Hurts and um, make him move down the road and give him another give him a long runway here. Yeah. I love that I think trade for
2: you you look at like the fact that they extended Howie Roseman. And that uh one of the reasons they parted ways with Doug Peterson was a disconnect on wanting to take a more patient approach to the future. Coaches don't want to do that. They want to win now. And it, it, this situation tells me that Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie waltz arm-in-arm in, arm in the concept of a more patient build. And they like next year's quarterback class better than this year's. And you're right. you get you, it, it cements Jalen Hurts as your starter for year two under Nick Sirianni, which he deserves that, I think. Y- let's see what they can do. They had a very... Interesting offense, run heavy last year. Do you roll that back out? Do you try to uh, grow him as a passer a little bit? But in general, like it's a one-year audition because I think that we, one thing we know about Howie Roseman in terms of his uh, fondness for trading, for, for big moves, that if they don't love Jalen Hurts, they've got the ammunition. They're the only team next year with two number ones already, uh, which is like they keep pushing that thing down the road a little bit. It's, it's a good timing for a chance to change quarterbacks if you needed to or trade for a veteran.
3: Absolutely. Um, More uh, updates on the uh, class action lawsuit that originally started with Brian Flores. It's been amended now. New allegations against the Cardinals, Titans, and Texans, and some other big names joining Flores' side. Former head coach, Steve Wilks, formerly of the Cardinals and former NFL assistant coach Ray Horton, both black men, have joined that federal class action lawsuit filed earlier this year, alleging racial discrimination and hiring practices by the NFL and its member teams. Um, now, if you don't remember the Steve Wilks era in Arizona, that's because it was a blank in your. You'll miss it. It was between Bruce Arians. And Cliff Kingsbury, Wilkes was one and done. It does not happen often in the NFL. It does happen one and dones. But Steve Wilkes claims that he was hired as a bridge uh, and it was ne- he was never given a fair chance to make his way with that team. He also, Mark, cites some issues in that building. Steve Kime, the general manager, he gets um, arrested for a DUI, leads to a suspension that carried throughout training camp uh, and through a portion of the summer. And he said that, hamstrung Steve Wilkes in his first year on the job. And also that the general manager Kime was working behind the scenes when he shouldn't have been on a David Johnson extension. So some malfeasance by the team. Uh, Wilkes doesn't feel like he has a fair shot. And then Ray Ray Horton says he believes he was a part of a sham interview with the Titans uh, before they made Mike Malarkey, their full-time head coach, something that Malarkey himself acknowledged in a uh, interview earlier.
2: Yeah, I want to read what Mike Malarkey said on this podcast interview in 2020. He said that the Titans told me I was going to be the head coach in 2016 before they went through the Rooney Rule. And so I sat there knowing I was the head coach in 2016 as they went through this fake hiring process. And you know, he's, he has also expressed remorse for the fact that he didn't do anything about it. And th- that, that, to me, of all this stuff, is the most trenchant thing that happened because... Look, that's a coach telling you that the team turned around and told him we're not taking the Rooney rule seriously on any level. And I I think that if you look at the the Wilkes situation, more bird's eye view, he's saying, uh, look... Uh, any coach, most coaches that are in year one have taken over a team with a lot of issues that 's why you have a new coach and I do think it 's fair to say that he was treated like a bridge coach that he was put in a bad situation. When would you need your to be linked up with your general manager more than in year one when you 're navigating a totally different type of job as head coach? Josh Rosen was the quarterback. It was a huge mess. The team had fallen off a cliff at the edge of the Bruce Arians experience, and they turn around a year later, fall fascinated it with Cliff Kingsbury, and Wilkes is gone. So it's like, was he given a fair shake? I mean, I, I, I you know, the Cardinals
3: can point to the team's struggles that year, and uh, but he can also then point to yes, what you're saying, especially with Kime. I think in this in this situation, Kime and his suspension is a smoking gun that Kime, by the way, still the general manager there, despite those off-the-field issues. And not only did that hurt Wilkes in his mind, Kime wasn't even taking the suspension the way you should. He was breaking rules during that process. Just that you're getting – when you peel back the layers of the onion, you see some of the dysfunction that's going on behind the scenes that we're not privy to on the surface.
2: It's It's been a, a cynical offseason in a lot of ways, and, and – w- when you see more and more examples, and I mean, it's not just this year, it's every year, that the Rooney Rule, while a good idea in theory, has been treated um, in a disgraceful fashion by a lot of teams in different ways. And I mean, there's all the, you see it all the time, that you, you know they're going after big-name coach X, who we all know about some guy, but then they they cycle guys through for interviews. And I understand the feeling that, look, at these interviews aren't being taken seriously. How do I really have a chance to win this job? And the Rooney Rule is not just about getting experience as a head coach in the interview process. It's about opening doors for head coaches, and that's just not happening enough.
3: Horton, Horton said in a statement Thursday... He was devastated and humiliated when he learned that his interview with the Titans was a sham. He said, by joining this case, I am hoping to turn that experience into a positive and make lasting change and create true equal opportunity in the future. And then that, of course, you think about Brian Flores and his part of this case, this potentially landmark case with the humiliation he felt, obviously, when a guy that he looked up to, um, in the business bill belichick got caught up in that uh, mistaken text uh when he learned that he was not an actual candidate for the giants job according uh according to mr flores and i should say the Titans released a statement on this connected to Horton and that job situation uh, and it read, our 2016 head coach search was a thoughtful and competitive process fully in keeping with the NFL guidelines and our own organizational values. We conducted detailed in-person interviews with four talented individuals, two of whom were diverse candidates. No decision was made and no decision was communicated prior to the completion of all interviews. So somebody's lying well, uh, and you can decide for yourself who that is.
2: Well, I would just say with everything that we know about Mike Malarkey, why on earth would he go on a podcast and say that out of thin air? That's my question. I mean, I know who I side with. All
3: right, let's move on uh, back to football news. The Bills signed Stefan Diggs to a four-year, $104 million extension. This came after there was some internet percolation with Trayvon Diggs talking about it would be great to play with his brother. Uh, come on to Dallas and the Bills say, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop the clocks here. We are not letting this dude go anywhere. He's been such an important part to what they've done in the last two years.
2: I mean, Josh Allen literally tweeted no at that <laughs> at the concept of that. And I, I think that's because... When we look at Josh Allen's rise, it's so tied to Stefan Diggs. And the Bills, to me, uh, this was about awareness. Because you look around the league, if you're Brandon Bean, and it's Tyreek Hill, it's Devontae Adams. These wide receiver contracts are blowing up. And he still had two years left on his deal, Diggs. But they were like, let's do this now to A, put to bed any sort of controversy here. B, and let, 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 no team in the league, I think, honestly, has done a better job of team building from where the Bills were four years ago to now. I mean, they are now a Super Bowl a rich super bowl contender and there's no way you let josh Allen's side piece they they work together so well they love each other you don't let them go there's just no this can't be a Devonte adams or tyreek hill situation
3: uh it's funny as part of this broadcast boot camp um oh can i share one more thing about the boot camp no and it was it's connected to a i believe a former bill so we did it it was two groups of podcast hosts it was you and i and then we got some good help from Rachel Benetta from Benched with Benetta, Marcus Grant from the NFL Fantasy Show. And uh, we were alternating back and forth. We had, they had what they were calling, they started setting up their uh, mini pods. It was like 10 minute podcasts with 20 guys and we alternated. They started, Rachel started calling it, well, welcome back to the Chop Shop.
2: Well, it was Marcus came up with the name, but that, okay. that's what they were calling it, yeah. And then we said, we started
3: saying Chop Shop. And then Rachel started giving us a little attitude. Like, she was annoyed at you us. You can't take our sub-pod's name. So what do we do? We came well, up with a new one.
2: Yeah, we came up with a, you know, we workshopped it during a 15-minute break when we weren't, and we came up with Chop Stop. Chop Stop. Which, which actually, you know, that this was probably mid, midway through the journey of these pods. Right. You know, there's a bunch of people in the room listening to our work and their work, and, and Chop Stop... Um, the Q rating on it. I mean, it just started to take off, and I think that the chop stop It's came a salad
1: to, brand, like it's a store. It's a like a fast oh, food. Oh well, salad that doesn't place. help us, but well, that, they, the players. I shop. mean,
2: it just it created a free flowing, kind of raw, uh, dangerous energy in the room with the players. They enjoyed it. And then I know, I know, because you're a big preparation guy. we
3: were getting close to when we had our Catherine interview, and there was one more to hit. And I said, let me stay back. Rachel had to get going, so it was just Marcus and I. You know, we did. I don't know. We had a great sit down with future Hall of Famer Tori Holt, and we hosted the <laughs> Chop
2: Chop Stop. <laughs> but what is okay? Because so what did Tori Holt, without any concept that this was this dueling banjos thing, what is his response to that being the name of the show? General
3: confusion, as you. Can I would know. imagine.
2: <laughs> um, but what I was going to say was somehow when it came, turn
3: a man walks in, introduces himself. It's Jair, It's Jarrett. What is it, Ricky? Jairus Bayard Jairus Bayard Jairus Bayard <laughs> Is in this conference room with us And we don't It's not a chop stop interview It's a chop shop interview And not a chop shop stop interview And I just feel like we should have had
4: Jairus Bayard
3: Jairus Bayard. I mean anyone Any podcasters in the world Should
2: have Jairus Bayard. Jairus
4: Bayard. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that was, um, you know, there are a lot of uh, corpos in, involved here, and they did a wonderful job. I really I admire the work. Who, they, the corpos Yeah, they, I really admire them. But they, this was maybe a misstep on their part. They, they There's a lack of awareness, uh, you know, unlike Brandon Bean, a yes. lack of awareness here.
3: But now circling back to my overall point as we talk about Stefan Diggs, uh, we talked to a lot of cornerbacks, a lot of guys that have had a lot of success in our league, and uh, the wide receivers are happy that these running back, these wide receivers are getting paid like quarterbacks almost now, and the cornerbacks are justifiably like, "What's going on here? Why is J.C. Jackson getting you know fifteen million guaranteed, and this the wide receivers are getting twenty four? What's up with that?"
2: They, the J.C. Jackson thing came up probably seven or eight times.
3: Yeah. Anyway. Stephon Diggs, that's good though. I mean, you—they are so locked and loaded. The, the time is now, um, and just so you know where this all fits in as the dust settles uh, in this wide receiver derby for the superstars. Uh, Tyreek Hill, seventy-two point two million guaranteed in his deal signed last month. Stephon Diggs, seventy. Devontae Adams, sixty-five point seven, and. Tor, again, Tory Holt. I didn't bring it up to him because I didn't I didn't know how he would take it. He he wishes that he was get obviously in his prime now to get these paydays. But I did look it up on a, a website, and um, Tyreek Hill's uh, salary this year is forty three point two million or something. It's a front loaded contract, and Torrey Holt, one of the best receivers of his generation, and I know different. Era and in inflation, but still, I think he made about forty-five million in his career. His career, fifteen seasons.
2: It's got to be annoying. I think it's one of the <laughs> reason he's, uh, you know, looking for work as a broadcaster. Yes. Cause I, well, I hope he's okay financially. Anyway, let us now move on. Right. By the way, like the, the having at some point in your life earned forty-five million is not, you know, that, that's not bad. Hey, but that's before taxes, though. You know, well, that's true. Uh, according to our
3: friend Rapsheet. Uh, the phone is not ringing off the hook uh, at Jaguars headquarters for the number one pick. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to dive deep uh, or start diving deep as we get closer and closer to the draft. Um, but it is indicative, especially when we just talked about or about to talk about the Saints and if, what they're going to do now that they have two first-round picks. Like, the quarterback situation is affecting the draft. Like, you always feel like... Even when it's a not a big quarterback year, inevitably someone's going in the top 10. Or you end up seeing two in the top 10 when you're like, oh, you go to February before the combine. We're not going to see a quarterback taken in the first time. They always get taken. However, there's no Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or Trey Lance this year. And that's why the Jaguars are just going to have to deal with possibly sitting at number one, which could end up fine. But you also don't cry him a river because they had the number one pick last year and they got Lawrence, who was believed to be a generational talent.
2: Right, and it sounds like you know they'll just Aiden Hutchinson will will become a Jaguar. You know, looking at most mocks and what people think and. People aren't trading up for that guy right now. I get that. I mean, this is just a, its an atypical draft. Uh, I mean, if anything, we know the quarterbacks are always overinflated to almost an annoying degree. It's not happening this year. And if I look at the teams that I think would go quarterback in the first round, even if some of them feel a little early, it's the Panthers at 6, the Falcons at 8, Seattle at 9, potentially. Then you've got the Saints sitting there with their situation, and then Pittsburgh down at 20. And I think a lot of these teams feel like these quarterbacks, if you're going to get one of them, it's not – Andrew Luck scenario they're going to fall and I think teams are comfortable sitting where they are
3: Then makes sense uh, and other news we're rolling Sessler it's a very smooth uh, operation absolutely uh, speaking of the draft there was a report floated out there that the Jets offered up the number 10 pick for DK
2: Metcalf does that sound familiar Mark? It does because I I why, in what way because I had, had read about this earlier so it is familiar to me. Oh, good. You yeah. don't remember the entire segment of the podcast
3: where I laid out a trade scenario that involved the Jets offering up the number ten overall pick for DK Metcalf? Is it does it go away that quickly?
2: Uh, it does, but I think that um I think that probably it tells you that someone like Joe Douglas is listening to the shows and you know getting ideas from you.
3: Ooh, I don't know about that. But anyway, it's been shot down in some corners. And speaking of big name wide receivers, AJ Brown isn't going down the trade block, block for the Titans as long as I'm the head coach, says Mike Vrabel. I uh, said that on the Rich Eisen show. So, I don't know. Sometimes you don't believe these things. Sometimes you do. So, right now, according to one report, uh, the Jets are trying to make a, a deal with Seattle, but other reports say that's not happening. Seattle's not interested in moving. DK Metcalf, same thing with A.J. Brown. But I think we're just trained at this point, Mark, to expect – unexpected at this point one of these guys moving we'll see if it happens
2: it answers the question for me if Seattle you know quietly or not quietly was open to a massive true rebuild because this was the Jamal Adams pick they could get it back if you want to move this wide receiver and you want to go into that I don't think they're interested in that I think this is a team that is not finished obviously at quarterback and there's more to come and so I look at both AJ Brown and DK Metcalf and especially from the Titans' side, and say, I would never in my life allow for that to happen if I was the general manager to move A.J. Brown. He's too key. He's too important. Not every one of these wide receivers can have their fancy when it comes to moving around the league. Can we get the... I, I
3: have a different Titans thing to break down with Gravedigger. Can we get the, he, the cans on Gravedigger?
5: Gravedigger.
3: Gravedigger, what are we doing here on Twitter? Yes. I understand you're very passionate <laughs> About uh, the Titans And you have your podcast Which everyone should check out The Titans Film Room And you did stellar work uh, Handling the remote End of the throwback podcast this week Where we broke down the Foo Fighters And the Taylor Hawkins era Everybody check that out If you're a fan Oh, thank you Of the Foo's Um, But you coming hard after Peter Schrager A colleague E What are we doing here? P Schrager's first mock draft is out And this is Justin's move for a colleague. I know he works on the other side of the country. Quote retweet. I know Schrager is plugged in, but he's obviously not too plugged in on the Titans.
4: Whoa. Sniper fire.
3: That's aggressive. Bam. Why? Why? Why a colleague taking sniper shots from the observatory?
4: Since mock drafts have started people have been mock-drafting Nicobe Dean from Georgia, the linebacker, winner of the Butkus Award last year, best linebacker in the country, to the Titans at pick 26. It just makes no sense. The Titans have two starting linebackers, Zach Cunningham and David Long. They drafted a linebacker out of Georgia, actually, in the third round last year. There's just no way that they're spending a first-round pick on a linebacker. And I know Peter Schrager bases his mock drafts on what he's hearing and who he's talking to around he, the league. He drops
3: Schrag bombs on the reg, and we love him for it.
4: But I just feel like, number one, there's been a lot of reports since John Robinson took over as Titans GM that the Titans do not talk to anyone and no information leaks. So that being okay. a fact factor, and also just the fact that like they're not— I'm telling everyone who will listen the Titans are not drafting a linebacker in the first round.
2: All right, but Gravedigger, so. one question. I mean, we we are you know a couple of years removed from a slight controversy with Peter Schrager that uh, involved myself and, and basically him because he said he respected Greg the most over over. Or, or was that he didn't know your name? <laughs> oh no, that was Kyle Brandt. No, well that was yeah. Well it's you know it's one thing or the next, but like uh, Dan, Greg, all the guys. I I fixed that up <laughs> by telling him at the combine as we were you know. Separated by an elevator door. Love you, bro. Do you are th- you're now going to need to patch fences? Is that actually what the, what it's called? Men patch fences. Men fences with your colleague. This was.
4: Were you? What were you doing? Were you on psilocybin when you tweeted this? <laughs> this is a bad strategy. I didn't mean this as a shot at Peter at all, and I know that he is legitimately plugged in all around the league. I just don't think he's got a good Titan source because I don't think this will happen, and I think this is like people look at the draft class and they're like, this guy's a first round linebacker so now we got to just match him to a team. Okay. It's just, you know, with a colleague, maybe there's a better way to put it. Right. Maybe. Thank you for the...
2: Gravedigger sort of doesn't care about the environment around him. He just sort of goes after what he wants. Isn't it interesting
3: to see the gravedigger dig his own grave?
2: Well, he should be good at that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Trope alert. (laughs) Trope
6: alert. Trope alert. Hmm. Trope alert. Trope alert. Perhaps
3: the Jets were rebuffed for DK Metcalf at this time. Perhaps AJ Brown ain't going nowhere. And perhaps that's why Debo Samuel sees the landscape and teams willing to potentially move mountains to get a number one wide receiver and says, it's time to, yes, unfollow the 49ers in all formats on social media. He has removed any mention of the Niners uh, from his socials, and I, I suppose uh, Twitter, uh, certainly Instagram, a, a nice old social scrub. Uh, we've been we've been on top of this uh, for years now, Mark. That this is one of the great tropes that, but I guess it works. Otherwise, players would would have stopped doing it by now.
2: Yeah, it's it's. I find it increasingly annoying. And not trying to be grumpy about it, but it's kind of just like, all right, uh, we get it. You're you're disgruntled. You're annoyed. You want more money. And it, but it does all. If you're Debo Samuel. And if you were ever to take Debo Samuel off the Niners, and then you're going to turn around and say, hey, Trey Lance, have a nice time starting. That is a disaster. And at this stage in the Kyle Shanahan journey, you can't do that. He's in the last year of his contract. Here's the problem right now. The Niners, I know that cap space means nothing, but they had the least, according to Over the Cap right now, the least cap room in the NFL. And this whole Jimmy G thing becomes a little bit more pivotal because he has a $26 million cap hit. If you cut him, it's not one of those things where you take on $4 billion worth of dead money. They would open up $25 million. So it may be, you have to look at that situation. If Debo needs to get paid now, they're going to have to make a few moves to make it happen.
3: Interesting. But still, like, you know, I don't know. The reason it works, I guess, is because now we're talking about it. ESPN is talking about Skip Bayless is talking about it and all that Um, but you know I can't imagine the Niners after what he's meant to that team uh, not doing moving heaven and earth themselves to make sure they keep him happy maybe he says look at how valuable I am it's time for a race
2: like Kyler Murray's was a a botch job he flew a little too close to the sun, and we were kind of giggling at him because it just sort of it, – it, it fizzled <laughs> out. They needed to reverse and add all the pictures. Like, Debo is a whole different situation. He is the sun. He, he did a reverse add? Didn't Kyler put a bunch of stuff back in there? Am I wrong about that? He did. Yeah, he did. Gravedigger saying yes. What are we doing? Either go in Well, or that's what, what I'm out. saying. Yeah. He, like, he came out of it looking absurd,
3: utterly absurd. But just keep an eye on the situation. It's probably not anything, but we must report on it. It is a trope alert. But we are a football podcast reporting on the news. Finally. <laughs> Two things. Whitney Merciless is retired after 10 seasons. Former Texan standout, edge rusher, and the Honey Badger market heating up. Okay. Um, he visited with the Saints. He had a scheduled visit with the Eagles today, I believe. Which makes a lot of sense for them. And I bring that up both because he's one of the most prominent free agents left on the market. Uh, and also because the graybeards have been unveiled on NFL.com. We're going to talk about it with uh, Greggy e and uh, Evan Silva uh, on Tuesday's episode. Honey Badger. I don't don't come to me and say he has to come off uh, my list. If he gets signed uh, today, tomorrow, over the weekend, because once you're a graybeard, you're a gray beard forever. But keep an eye on the, uh, honey badger market tyron matthew is too good a player to be sitting on the market much longer
2: yeah it could be you know he's i think he's waiting for the fit he's someone that would care about the fit and the team he goes to and certainly the money too uh, i mean he's been openly tweeting about this for, for a long time i cannot uh, i'm gonna be away but i'm gonna have to listen to this evan silva appearance i don't imagine that you will i mean i mean not during my time away at some other time you know when the days become packed and slightly annoying again all right good
3: That's what's happening in the news. Let's take a break, and then we're going to get Catherine Terrell
0: to talk Saints drama. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And
3: I'm CJ Toledano. And we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it all?
5: I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think
3: I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Like
0: yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding.
3: He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the exactly. Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top not of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Casella, Point Game. I remember you came out of him crying, tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. His, he's going to
0: withdraw about winning. Remember you what know? I told you? I said, I said OG, oh, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? You didn't it. it?
2: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days, like literally.
3: To around the NFL now we're very happy to be joined by a great reporter for the Athletic covers all things Saints and we have so many questions after the big uh, draft pick trade <laughs> that went down her name Catherine Terrell don't ever call her Cat Terrell welcome to the around the <laughs> NFL podcast <conference. laughs> What's up, Captain? Happy, happy to be on. How are y'all? Doing good, thanks. Did a deep YouTube search there. We wanted to make sure we had the pronunciation right. And now explaining it to you, it's like, why didn't I just ask you? But we did the research to make sure we had the pronunciation correct.
5: I appreciate that, actually. <laughs> so here That it is it. some good research.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Captain. So here we are. The Eagles sent picks 16 and 19 overall and 194, six-rounder, to the Saints in exchange for the 18th pick. Uh, the 101 uh, pick, that's the third round, 237 in the seventh, a 2023 first-round pick, and a 2024 second-round pick. So a really interesting trade, a lot of speculation. I'm curious, Catherine, is somebody close to the Saints, when you see it go down and you kind of digest it, what did you take out of it? What did it mean for the Saints?
5: Well, I know everyone automatically wants to jump to quarterback, and I think it's a logical assumption, but I don't necessarily think – that's what the saints are aiming for here. They're still kind of far back to be certain. They're going to get a quarterback. So if that's their intention, they would have to make more moves, but you know, the saints have said that they are going to curb their massive salary cap spending and try to scale back. Now, I don't know if I believe them, but this would be a way to do it because then you get uh, two rookie, presumably starters that would be under cheaper contracts than you would if you had to get free agents. So I don't know exactly what it means, but I assume it's something on the offensive side of the ball the Saints are cooking up.
2: Yeah, it's like there's a there's a need for wide receiver, uh, offensive tackle. And I, I do think the quarterback position is something that maybe, I, I don't know if the Saints are in love with a specific one, but if the right guy falls to them, you think they might pull the lever, get a quarterback, and then have to tell Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton, we've got someone else to compete with you.
5: Well, they already had to have some tough conversations with Jameis Winston when they went after Deshaun Watson. And it definitely sounded like that made for an awkward few days. So I guess they'd just be doing it all over again. But, you know, absolutely. If the right quarterback is there, I think they'll go after them. And if the right quarterback is within range, I think they'd make the moves to get them. I think the worst thing they could do would be to make all these moves just to get a quarterback and reach for one. if It's not at the top of their board. If it's just a guy that plays the position and they're trying to fill that need what's interesting though is that they gave a first round pick next year so Jameis is only under contract for two years so it kind of makes you wonder what's the long-term plan here if you don't believe in winston enough to give him a a long-term deal and now you don't have a first round pick next year so presumably you can't get a quarterback in that class it's actually really interesting um but the saints always like to start things up around this time right
3: yeah no it totally makes sense and it's just like listen you've you've been following this team for a while you know the the path they've taken it's always push everything back push everything back and load up you had the Drew Brees hour, and that all made sense some of the immediate speculation around this deal was well this is a win now move right now for uh, the saints But when you look at this roster where it is, do you see it that way? Now, I'm not saying the Saints see them as that way, but that's been one of the ways people have read into this trade by giving away next year's first round pick. They think if we could hit on this draft, a la 2017, maybe magic can happen quickly. Do you see it that way?
5: Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, First of all, as you pointed out, I think the Saints see it that way. Absolutely. Uh, Do I see it that way? I mean, I. I do see a team that really should have made the playoffs last year. They had absolutely everything go wrong. And still, if they hadn't had that game where half the team was out with COVID, then maybe things would have been different. And they had a lot of injuries. And I I think you could say, hey, that team has almost made the playoffs. If they're healthy this year, why can't they contend? On the other hand, I think that this is a team that's not as good as last year because they're already missing some guys that were key parts of that team. Teron Armstead is one, Malcolm Jenkins is another. But, you know, maybe it's all wash if you get Michael Thomas back. And, you know, this kind of sounds silly, but get their kicker back. And that was a a huge part of last year of them losing some games. So, yeah, I think I kind of see this team very similar to last team, a middle-of-the-road team that maybe could make the playoffs. And the Saints probably see it as a team where – hey, if we get healthy, we should be able to make a run.
2: With the way that the team is structured right now, is this a Mickey Loomis move alone, or does Dennis Allen have uh, you know a lot of say here? Obviously, Sean Payton had immense say. Is, is, it a, is it a different situation that Dennis Allen now sits in the chair?
5: That's a great question, because we all know Sean Payton called a lot of the shots uh, since he'd been there so long. Um, I think it's it's probably made in tandem. I don't think Mickey would make any move without Dennis Allen. Like I think Dennis Allen was fully on board um, with going after Deshaun Watson, but it's it's probably more the front office than Dennis Allen. I would think. I, I think that they're always kind of looking to see like where we can improve our roster, but. You know, just how much control Dennis Allen has is something that's we're not going to see for a while. I think I think it's going to take a year or two before we see if it's anything like the type of control that Sean Payton had.
3: You should know, Catherine, by the way, that the <laughs> that's a great question affects no one else in a more positive <laughs> way than my partner, Mark Sesler here. So you just made the man's day. You should know that, Catherine. I appreciate
5: that. Thank you. Got to hand out the compliment.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Sean Payton... Uh, people that, who aren't as close to the team, like us bozos, we, we think about, like, hmm, is he really all the way out, especially if they would have landed Deshaun Watson? Would he have found his way back in that building? Do you get the vibe that the, the door is closed, that chapter has ended? Or is Peyton and the Saints still a marriage that could ever come back?
5: Well, actually, you saying that makes me remember a point I was going to make a few minutes ago and forgot that the Saints might be making this move Banking on the fact that some other team next year is going to trade for Sean Payton Mm, and give them a draft pick back. Boom. Now what team would it be? I don't know if it's a team within the division, it's the price tag is going to come a lot higher. I do think for right now, the door is closed on Sean Payton just because it has to be, you can't give someone else a job and give it with the, I guess air that the other coach is going to be hanging around no i don't think that means there's any sort of fractured relationship but you know you can't have sean payton in a, like hanging out in the closet just waiting for so Minnesota you mean to like mess up.
3: so like with jay leno and conan o'brien they shouldn't follow <laughs> nbc's lead does that work yeah, so that, well
5: that, that worked out really well for everyone everyone <laughs> ended up really happy with that i would so no, ask- for now it's DA's yeah, team now
2: I would ask this, like, uh, Dennis Allen, when he was in Oakland, and I get the coaches learn from those first failed coaching experiences, there were a lot of whispers that he was not very well liked um, by players necessarily, that the way, you know, he's a different experience than Sean Payton. Do you get the sense that the Saints locker room um, adores Dennis Allen, or is it somewhere uh, in a bit of a darker place, potentially? Darker? I think that... darker Uh, I think that the defensive side of the
5: ball really likes him I think with the offensive side of the ball I think there's a lot of work to be done and I only get that sense because for example uh, Dennis Allen flew out to meet with Michael Thomas in California and he tried to say when he was speaking at the owners meetings oh you know I'm trying to get to know all the um, players and Michael Thomas has kind of been on the periphery because he's been injured so I of course said okay did you go fly out with any other players and did you go meet them? And he said, no. Uh, So, you know, that's, that's one relationship he's going to have to work on because he didn't really need to work on it before. And then Jameis Winston, when all that happened, he's got to work on that relationship. So I think defensively, I think those players really like and trust him just, you know, based on everything they were saying leading up to the last few months of the season, when he took over temporarily, when Peyton had COVID, and uh, there was a lot of rumors, he was going to get a head coaching job. Offensively, I think that's a big question and he's going to have to answer that. And he has, I think a lot of other questions to answer to kind of prove that he's learned and moved on from what happened in Oakland.
3: Uh, moving back to the quarterback position and well, maybe someone who's moved out of the quarterback position, Taysom Hill, who's had a really interesting, unique NFL journey over the last few years. I get what's happening here because I know it wasn't a full audition, but we saw maybe enough of Taysom Hill last year to say, okay, this is not exactly the guy going forward. But then we learned he's being moved out of the quarterback room entirely. He's a tight end. Now, does that mean he's not going to be their Jack of all trades? Is it just now a a philosophy change with a new head coach in the building? Is Taysom Hill done taking snaps period?
5: Well, Dennis Allen wouldn't confirm that he's out of the quarterback room, but I I think for all intents and purposes, he probably is. But it, it might be a role like 2019. I think that worked pretty well for them. He would be um, the third guy. He would be the guy that, you know, comes in to be the change of pace guy um, while still, you know, catching passes and things like that. I think that's a better role for him than a direct backup. And Alan was saying the same thing. He said, I don't want Taysom on the sideline next to me. And honestly, I think by this point, we have seen enough a Taysom Hill at quarterback to make that decision. I, I honestly kind of think we saw it a while ago. I think he could just be utilized better um, in a different role than I guess sitting behind Winston, you know, hoping he's going to get a third shot to prove
2: himself. Back to the draft for a minute. Our guy, Daniel Jeremiah mentioned Desmond Ritter um, talking to people around the league as someone the saints might have interest in. Have you heard whispers at all about what, rookie quarterback they might be into. I get that, you know, where they sit, they can't necessarily have their number one pick and maybe they would be open to taking their second favorite guy. I'm not sure about that, but have any names bubbled up?
5: Honestly, with the quarterback, I think that the Saints have kind of been pretty quiet about that. You know, they haven't uh, really shown their hand on that regard, which is why it's so interesting that they have made this trade so far before the draft. Um, it, it's gotten so many people talking as to what the saints are going to do with it and, and why do it now versus, you know, do it closer to draft day or on draft day. So uh, I think that, you know, if they do love a quarterback, we don't know yet. I feel like with Peyton, sometimes you, you kind of knew <laughs> if you loved mm-hmm. a quarterback, I, I, th- I think people knew about Garrett Grayson before um, they took him. It, it's hard to remember. And obviously that did not work out. Um, but it's going to be interesting if they take a quarterback. Uh, I, hey, I'm here for it. Um, I, I'm here for it. Let's do more quarterback roulette after they started four different guys last year.
3: Right. Our colleague who's on vacation this week, Greg Rosenthal, has a theory. Keep on taking quarterbacks until you hit on the one like they did with Drew Brees, yeah. although they didn't. They traded for Drew Brees, but you exactly. get the point. Finally, a tweet. Catherine Terrell, not Terrell. From you. 26 minutes ago, drove from Baton Rouge to New Orleans today, and my dog threw up three minutes away oh, no. from getting to my house. <laughs> hope everyone's day is going better than mine. I hope we improved your day a little bit, although probably not. But also, that <laughs> sucks, and I'm sorry to hear that happen to you. The worst.
5: I just thought everyone needs to know what was happening as I was driving from Baton Rouge. And I, I think the dog at least felt bad about it. I don't know if dogs feel bad about these things. She seemed like she felt bad about it as I was like waving my hands and frantically telling her her to wait. Um, I just hope everyone pictures that. I do have a a question.
2: Does dog throw up, um, have a similar smell to human throw up? Have you never been around a dog before Mark? Not to the degree where they're throwing up. Do we need to ask? uh, I've never cleaned with, this up before. Yeah. It did, not,
5: it, it did not have a smell. So oh, Okay. Well, that's I, a I nice quality. I don't of- know. I mean, normally, normally it does. I hope that you never learn yeah. whether it has a smell or not. I hope you never have to. That's how we <laughs> get the Pulitzer. You can do that
2: for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah,
5: Well. Yeah, you live by carousel. Yes.
3: She's been racked with guilt since you began this interview with us. So just go over to pat her on the head and say, good girl. Good girl. You'll be okay.
5: She's been quiet this whole interview. So, I mean, maybe she does feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Catherine, thank you so much
3: uh, for joining us. I hope you get a quarterback in the mix to make things even more exciting. But that's a fun beat to be on, and you do a great job on it.
5: Thanks a lot. You know, I'm all all for chaos. So, you know, the Saints want to bring that. Let's let's see it in the next few weeks. There there you go. Thank
3: you. All right, Catherine Terrell from The Athletic. Thank you very much. All right, there she goes, Catherine Terrell of The Athletic. Hope everything's okay with the dog. And I, um, it's interesting, These the Saints are in, I don't want to say perilous, but these are uncertain times. And it just goes to show you, and now the Pittsburgh Steelers are going through the same thing uh, post-Ben Roethlisberger, that when you do have that legendary quarterback forever, it's... Uh, it leads to a period of uncertainty until you find that next guy. And I don't know if this trade is going to lead to them trying to identify that guy now, or if they still believe that Winston can be that guy, but it's interesting uh, watching these teams try to figure it out. Now with the Patriots, they're another example and perhaps the most prominent example of being in that spot. When Tom Brady leaves, they, they might've hit on Mac Jones and have a guy they can trust now for the foreseeable future. That's what the saints are trying to do.
2: I just, I, Tend to think that quarterback has to be high in the radar, but you could see a combination of like offensive tackle and wide receiver if the if the wrong guy came to him. I just I, I I know for Saints fans like they've been super frustrated with the inactivity of the team, and this at least showed that they they're not in a coma. The the front office and it
3: it's it's tough it's tough to figure out their situation here with that because they were so close it seems under Sean Watson, which and we've talked about how you know. Naughty, that issue is with the Browns. Um, but if they get Deshaun Watson, and once you figure out the suspension situation that's sure to come, you have your guy for the foreseeable future. That doesn't happen. And you just now realize, okay, we have James Winston, who we're maybe in on, maybe out on. We have a draft class this year. We have two first-round picks, but no clear quarterback for to most people. Maybe the Saints love a guy. And then now you don't have that first-round pick next year, as uh, Catherine mentioned. You've kind of boxed yourself in a little bit here and need to hit on something and maybe get a little bit lucky. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Saints coming up. Um, all right. Now, I'm sure everyone, before we sign off, before, Mark, you head into your well-earned vacation.
2: Well, we have a TV show tomorrow, so unless you're telling me I don't need to show up for that, it's no, just you and me. It would be just no, you I alone. No, I about the TV yeah.
3: show, but you should not, listener. Check it out, the Around the NFL broadcast on NFL Network every Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Think that's right. A lot of people, Mark, are saying, OK, so you were asked, boys, to speak to players who may be interested in starting a podcast, how to become successful in the podcast game. And I would say we are successful. We, we've we done it. But we've also never thought about it before. So you and I went and we had a couple of pints uh, on Sunday. Well, you had some Chardonnay because you're classy.
2: Well, it's just like uh, the beer sometimes feels like I'm eating like a loaf of bread So.
3: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you don't like food sometimes it doesn't feel like a loaf of bread and that's when I enjoy it so I thought it would be maybe nice to share with everyone including our enemies um, our strategy for success (laughs) that's how confident we are so we're going to use this sign off to share with you the listener and anyone else including our enemies our keys to success that we shared with the players is this a good idea
2: no it's going to level the playing field uh, and that's I don't like that but Erica is this a good idea
1: I, I like it I think it shows our, our BDE. B- you know what I mean?
3: Ah, okay. Yeah. We're not, well, we're you could not use
2: stressed. it for the, for, the, for, your broad, for the broadcast.
1: Oh, honey, I don't need it.
3: <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Hit it, Ricky. Number one, it's a four pillar to to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to build the house. That is a successful podcast. There are four pillars. Number one. Chemistry. And we're not even going to elaborate. No, that, Because they, they, they figure kiss, that themselves. They have kiss, to do that, right? Kiss, kiss. <laughs> number one, chemistry is everything.
2: Number two, consistency and patience. Figure the rest of that shit out yourself. <laughs> number three,
3: D Y H. Should we even tell them that?
2: I think so. Do your homework, baby. And finally. Number four, be yourself. I would add a caveat to that. For plenty of these failing podcasts, being themselves has not worked, apparently. Be someone else. Be us. Try to be us. (laughs) (laughs) I mean,
3: I feel like we've helped people today.
2: I think so. Now we just get pulled down into the sea of all the other shows. And don't let Erica's bravado
3: throw you off. I did, at the corner of my eye, I saw her furiously scribbling on a notepad yeah. just now. Yeah.
1: yeah, I really wrote down, be yourself. <laughs> all right, well, I'll tell
2: you something. The players were, um, they were electrified and entranced by our words.
1: Oh, I'm tearing up. That was beautiful.
3: <laughs> Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you to Catherine Terrell of The Athletic thank you to Ricky Randy Chavez the Grave Digger and you the listener who've been with us since Richard Sherman and we thank you cannot thank you enough number five get a buttload of super loyal awesome listeners that's it (laughs) till Tuesday heed the call we
0: Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss, in the land of saints and sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring?
6: Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel.